Listen to these words of Isaiah 55. It's a great invitation for us to come to the Lord Jesus. So listen to this. Come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. That, that passage is talking all about how we find our fullness in the Lord Jesus and in his word. So let me pray that we would find that here tonight. God, thanks for this invitation that you give to us to come to you. We are hungry and thirsty whether we know it or not. And Lord, we confess that some of the deadness of our souls, some of the numbness, the, the sleepiness of our souls is due to our own doing. We chase our idols. We love holding on to our sin. We get busy and we don't have time to think about you. God, forgive us. There's nothing more glorious in all of creation, in the whole universe, than you are. So, Lord, return us to our senses. And, Lord, help us to come to you tonight for fullness. And, Lord, as we talk about faithfulness, we're very aware as we've walked through the fruit of the Spirit this semester that we don't measure up to that, to any of them. But we thank you for the one who has measured up and who gave his life as a sacrifice for us. And so, Lord, help us to trust in that one, Jesus. And as we talk about faithfulness, help us to understand what you are calling us to. And then, Lord, send us out of here, a people walking in faithfulness to you and faithful to loving and serving our neighbor. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Young, go ahead and be seated. Thanks. So uh, I think it's next weekend. No, not, not this week. This weekend's Easter. Next weekend, there's, man, I don't know, 500, 600 high school students that will be gathering down at the Young Life Camp Rockbridge uh, for this weekend retreat called Majnik. It's kingdom spelled backward, if you're wondering where that came from. Um, but, but it's a great... It's a great retreat. It's been going, I want to say, for maybe 15 to 20 years. And, and God has met a lot of high school and middle school students in that place. And some of you know what I'm talking about because you've been there and benefited from that. One of the things they ask of JMURUF is to provide 10 people to be their ropes course people. They, they call them wranglers, but we do the ropes course. We do the giant swing, which is my favorite because you get to see people in sheer terror. Um, <laughs> and then the zip line, uh, but it's, it's our job to like get them harnessed properly and then um, set up so they can go through what they're, they're doing at your station safely. But we need 10 folks to sign up for that. Just, um, you're gonna hear from Kayla at the end about our, our big group me. Uh, look, if you're in that, 
uh, or if you want to be added, Kayla, I'll tell you how. But just go back and look through. Matt put something in there for how to sign up, but we need to know soon because I'm going to start opening this up to uh, Virginia Tech RUF or WNL RUF if, if we need to, to get some more folks helping us out. So please think about that. You will make a difference because these students are, are hearing about Jesus that whole weekend, and it's, it's really a beautiful thing. All right, we're going to spend the next 25 or, or 30 minutes talking about the Bible. We do this because God is so kind and gracious to give us his word. Think about that statement for a second. God did not have to do this. God did not have to reveal himself to us. God did not have to tell us, hey, here's the best way for you to live your life. Hey, here's how you can know the forgiveness of your sin and salvation in Christ. But in his word, God gives us all that and a lot more. But because it's God speaking, it's also going to include some things that are hard for us to get our heads around. And we're going to struggle to understand or even get in line with. And if that's you, come find me, come find one of our, our other staff or student leaders here. And we'd love to, to walk with you in those questions. Don't, don't walk alone. The best place to do that is with uh, the community of Christ, which you find right here at RUF every week. So let us walk with you. Before we jump in, I want to ask you guys this question. I'd love to get your feedback. So think, but then I'm going to ask for answers, okay? Um, some of you do the opposite really well. <laughs> think first, then we'll take the answers. All right, here we go. What do you think, what do you think about when you think about faithfulness? That, that's going to be our topic tonight. What do you think about when you think about faithfulness? Another way to, to do this is think about the most faithful person you know. What is it about them that makes them faithful in your mind? What is it that makes that person faithful in your mind? Okay, now I'd like to hear some answers. Consistency? Okay, good. Commitment? In, in, would you say continually showing up? Okay, great. I love staying with the C's, the alliteration. This is good. <laughs> continually showing up. Sac oh, you're, okay. <laughs> Slater, get with the program. Sa sacrificial. Patient. Patient. Not relying on our own sight. Okay, not relying on. Fill that out for me. Uh, not relying on our own like sight, knowledge, understanding. Mm. Being able to go with blind faith. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. Maybe taking that a step further, trusting God in those places where you don't, don't see. Other thoughts? Selfless. Selfless, yeah. Prayerful Say that again? Prayer. Prayer. Prayerful, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about this. I'm not sure there's a greater compliment I could give to somebody than to call them faithful. And, and by faithful... I think all of what you guys said goes into that, but, but I, I would mean someone who is humble, steadfast, loyal, servant-hearted. By the way, servant-hearted, not just when others are watching. Like this is what they do when no one's watching. True to their word and fully committed to God and his commands. As we look for folks, students to, to lead this ministry, one of the first qualities we look for is faithfulness really don't care what skills 
what strategies you bring to the table, what I care most about is that you be faithful. It's one of the most basic qualities of a a mature walk with Christ. And by the way, it's also one of the most common descriptors of God. If you were to look through the scriptures and ask yourself the question, who is God? What is God like? I think in the top 10 would be the answer, faithful. Because faithfulness is part of God's character. And faithfulness is the next quality listed in our list of the fruit of the Spirit, which we're going to talk about tonight. So we've been walking through this series on the fruit of the Spirit, which the the long and short of that is in the fifth chapter of Galatians, the Apostle Paul gives us this list of nine different qualities that God's Spirit produces in the follower of Jesus. And they're not optional. They're not negotiable. This is what happens in the one who follows Jesus. These qualities start to get developed. And so we're on the one faithfulness. But as we've been doing every week, I want you to hear the whole list. Just good to be reminded. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And as we've taken them one by one, we've also looked at a text that that focuses in on the one that we're going to be talking about for that night. So we're looking at faithfulness. And for that one, I'm going to go to Matthew 25. So if you want to open up there, you can, or you can just read on the screen behind me. Matthew 25, and we'll start in verse 14. Jesus, in one of his final parables, talks about faithfulness. And he uses a parable to do that. And and here's what it sounded like or sounds like. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. And he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, well, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he who also had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. 
But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast that worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, this parable, this passage is one of the last teachings of Jesus in this gospel of Matthew. In the very next chapter, things are going to move quickly toward the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And it was in this context, at the very end of Jesus' life, at the very end of Jesus' ministry, that Jesus told this parable about faithfulness. And I want to talk about three big ideas that that come out of this parable. The first, the expectation of faithfulness. Second, the source for our faithfulness. And then third, the consequences of faithfulness. So the expectation of faithfulness, source for our faithfulness, and then lastly, the consequences of faithfulness. Let's start with the expectation of faithfulness. This parable is all about the master's expectation of faithfulness on behalf of his servants. He gave five talents, which, by the way, is just a measure of weight. We don't know exactly how much it would have been, but one talent was a lot of money. I read somewhere in one of the commentaries that one talent alone was like 19 years worth of wages right? That's that's a lot of money. So I'm thinking five talents, man, that's got to be close to five million. So he gave five million to one servant, two talents, two million to another, and one talent, one million to the third. And the expectation was that the servants were to steward, they they were to invest the money in a way that brought growth and profit to the master's investment. And you can see there from the story that the first two did just that. They doubled the master's money. But here's the thing. The third servant did nothing. He hid the money. And the money just sat there and it did nothing. No investment, no growth, and no return. In this parable, God is pictured as the master and we're pictured as the servants. God has given us resources and talents that we are then expected to use for God's glory. Another pastor put this better. Here's how he put it. Uh, I think it's going to be on the screen behind you. Yep. Here's, Here's a good way to understand what we're talking about here. Anything whereby we may glorify God is a talent. Our gifts Our influence, our money, our knowledge, our health, our strength, our time, our senses, our reason, our intellect, our memory, our affections, our privileges as members of Christ's church, our advantages as possessors of the Bible, all of it, all are talents. And so the point of the story is that waiting for Christ's return and being ready for it are not passive matters. We must work faithfully and energetically for him now. 
So listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been given talents and resources by God. You have. Even the fact that you have life and breath in your body today is a gift from God. And he expects you to use all those things for his glory. All that you have and all that you are is to be directed to the one end of the glory of God. So again, to name some of the things that we just read off the screen, your time, your money, your vocation, relationships, thoughts, words, actions, all of it, all of it is for the glory of God. So how do we live this out? How do we live out this kind of faithfulness in real and tangible ways? Let me, let me give you a few ways to think about. First, get in the game. I know that's Coach Slater coming out. Get in the game. Get off the sidelines and do something in service to God. And part of that's going to require you being willing to move outside your comfort zone and take risks. Self-absorption and self-protection lead to burying our talents. So I'm calling you, I think the Bible would call you, to trust God and take risks. Faithfulness requires being active, and being active comes with risk. Second, be dependable. Be dependable. When you say you'll do something, do it. The Apostle James says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. People should be able to trust and take you at your word. Faithfulness and dependability go hand in hand. Be dependable. Third, be willing to commit to good things. Be willing to commit to good things. The reason I put it that way is I think we so often give in to FOMO, the the fear of missing out, or FOBO, fear of a better offer. (laughs) We've become a FOMO and FOBO culture, so much so that we're unwilling to commit to good things. And also related to that, we have a hard time committing when that thing doesn't fit our particular desires. Following Jesus means we die to self and follow him even when it's not about me. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Be willing to commit. And then fourth, faithfulness to God means being faithful whatever the circumstances. So whether you're facing temptation or facing suffering, stay true to what God has called you to do. And I'm not suggesting it's easy. Sometimes, I was talking with one of y'all about this not long ago. Sometimes um, this friend was asking me about the suffering that Slater family has been through. And I told him, I said, sometimes it just feels like I'm stuck, like a cat on a screen door. And the wind just keeps smashing me. But you know what, by golly? God's got my, thing, my, my claws dug in. And that's the best I'm going to do today. Sometimes that's the best we can do. But stay faithful to God, whatever the circumstances. 
You can do that because God will enable you to do that. Even if it's just the claws dug in, hanging on for the ride. Well, let, let, let me finish out this section with a, a challenge one pastor put to his people. He, he challenged them to ask these questions. I don't think I have a, a quote for you, but these will roll pretty quick. What are the things I am most serious about? What are the things I take most seriously in my life? Does the way I order my life give evidence that ultimately the most serious issue in the world for me is channeling everything for the glory of my returning master? Is that the thing I take most seriously? I I love that second to last question. I want to read it again. Does the way I order my life give evidence that ultimately the most serious issue in the world for me is channeling everything for the glory of my returning master? Faithfulness is channeling everything, all that you have and all that you are for the glory of your returning master. Jesus will return and he expects to find us faithful. God calls us to faithfulness and as he does, he himself is the source for our faithfulness. So that'll, that'll be our next topic here, the source for our faithfulness. In this parable, Jesus could have used any sum of money to get his point across. His message about faithfulness would not have been changed one bit with lesser amounts of money. But I think he uses what he uses because he wasn't just conveying the expectation for our faithfulness. I think he was also communicating the outrageous generosity of the master. The master entrusted to these servants $5 million, $2 million. One, if my math is correct, $8 million. He was overflowing in his generosity toward them. And the first two, as you read there, happily took what the master had given. They invested it and they came out with 100% return on their talents. But the third servant did nothing with his talent. He hid it and he had nothing to show for it when the master returned. And did you see, did you catch why he hid the talent? It's here in the parable. He accused the master of being a hard and a harsh man. So out of fear, he went and he hid the talent. His unfaithfulness was the result of a wrong view of God. His unfaithfulness was the result of a wrong view of the master. You see, our faithfulness rises or falls based on our view of God. Our faithfulness rises or falls based on our view of God. Listen to how these verses talk about God. Uh, They'll be on the screen behind you. And in fact, um, when Liberty came up, she read this one, but it's worth doing again. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks for him. And just one more. We could, we could do scripture after scripture, but here's another one, Psalm 36. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. 
Your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast you save. O Lord, how precious is your steadfast love. O God, the children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. And you give them drink from your river of delights. Does any of that sound like God is hard or harsh? Growing up, my relationship with my dad was not a great one. It was a solid three or four on a scale of ten. I I tended to view him as a drill sergeant who had unrealistic expectations and unfair demands. So if I'm being honest, I spent a lot of time just trying to avoid him and avoid being home. But as I matured and as he sweetened, he had Alzheimer's for the last 10 or 12 years of his life. And that can go one or two ways by my observation. They can get more ornery or they can get sweeter. My dad, thankfully, was the latter. And as I matured and as he sweetened, I grew in my love and affection for my dad. And we went from that three or four on the scale of 10 to a wonderful nine and a half for the last few years of his life. I no longer avoided him. I looked forward to being with him. And and you know what the funny thing is? Those years were harder because of the Alzheimer's. Like we were taking care of him. We were cleaning the house. We were doing the yard work. We were doing all the hygiene things for him. But you know what? I did these things gladly because I loved him. And I knew that he loved me. You see, our faithfulness rises or falls based on your view of the Father. How you see Him will be the inevitable source of your faithfulness. So I've got a really important question. How do you view God? Is He the harsh and unjust master of the third servant, or is he the generous and gracious master of the first two? Because I'm convinced of this. The more you see God's faithfulness, the more you're going to grow in your own faithfulness. Because how you view him will make all the difference. Well, God calls us to faithfulness. He's the source for our faithfulness But there are also consequences for our faithfulness and conversely to our unfaithfulness. So let's talk about that just real quickly, the consequences of faithfulness. At the very end of the parable, verses 21 and 23, we can see the master's commendation of the two faithful servants where he said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. But to the unfaithful servant, he said, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. The master took from that servant the talent and he gave it to the first one. And then he threw that worthless servant into the outer darkness. And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
There were consequences both for the faithful servants and for the faithless servant. For the faithful, there was joy and abundance, but for the faithless, there was condemnation and judgment. Here's what I want you to take away from this. God takes faithfulness and again, unfaithfulness, seriously. God takes our faithfulness and our unfaithfulness seriously. So seriously that eternal glory and eternal judgment rest on it. This parable couldn't be more clear on all this. But don't hear what I'm not saying. Jesus is not saying that it's by your faithfulness that you can earn eternal glory. Because listen, you can't be faithful enough for that. You can't be good enough for that. Your sin, my sin are too great. They're too deep. So what hope do we have? Well, it's the hope that we talk about every week, isn't it? It's the hope of Jesus. Jesus was faithful to keep the law at every point. Every command of God, Jesus kept. He had no sin. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. That's what we're about to celebrate in two days, Good Friday. That Jesus died there on that cross to take away our sin and to give us his perfect righteousness. And this double transfer of our sin to Christ and his righteousness to us, this double transfer gets applied to us as we believe in him by faith. And then as we grow in him, we start to live lives that are faithful. And God rewards that faithfulness, but he also judges unfaithfulness. And I don't say that in any way as a, as a scare tactic, but only to state the truth that Jesus has already made clear in this parable, that there will be consequences for both our faithfulness and our unfaithfulness. As part of our child rearing, Terry and I had to discipline our kids from time to time. For some of them, it was more time to time than others, but from time to time, there were five of them, so it seemed like every day there was something. Uh, But when they stepped out of line, we might put them in a timeout. We might take a privilege away. We might send them to bed earlier. We might even use a spanking as a way to correct them. But in every case, the discipline was for their growth and for their good. And it was carried out with love and with justice. You see, love and justice were not opposed to each other. In fact, they went hand in hand for the growth of our children and the good of our family. And that's what God is like. In him, love and justice go hand in hand. He rewards faithfulness and he judges unfaithfulness. Will you walk in faithfulness? And will you hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master? Or the other choice you have, will you walk in unfaithfulness? And will you hear the words, you wicked and slothful servant? Well, let me close with this. A few days ago, we celebrated Palm Sunday. It's the Sunday that That happens right before Easter Sunday. And it's the day we celebrate Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, fully knowing that he was heading toward the crucifixion. 
that stop and think about that. Like, does that not amaze you? Like, he could have, the rest of us in this room, we would have gone the other way. But Jesus, fully knowing, walks toward that because it's why he came. He was faithful to the end. He was faithful at enormous cost. And he was faithful for you and for me. Because, see, here's the deal. We will fail in our faithfulness. We will fail ugly and we will fail often. But Jesus was faithful all the way to the cross to pay for our unfaithfulness. So Jesus is both our model and our motive for our faithfulness. Did you catch that? Jesus is both our model and our motive for our faithfulness. He's our model because no one has demonstrated greater faithfulness than Jesus did in his living and in his dying, in his going to that cross. He was faithful to the end for sinners like us, but he's also the motive for our faithfulness. Here's how that works. Because he's been so faithful to us, we want to live lives that are faithful to him. Because he's been so faithful to us, we then want to go and live lives that are faithful to him. Does any of this sound like you? Is Jesus your model and your motive? Will you be faithful as he was faithful? God is calling us as those who follow Jesus to be a faithful people. Let's pray to that end. God, thank you most of all for your faithfulness that though we were unfaithful and faithless, you were faithful to us. And that faithfulness, Jesus, puts you on the cross so that you could pay the price, the penalty for our sin. Lord, thank you for that. I pray that we would never lose the wonder and the awe and the worship that should come out of that. And then, Lord, as you fill us with that, would you then send us out faithful to you, faithful to our neighbor, and faithful in all that we think, say, and do. And as we are, Lord, would others see Jesus in us because that faithfulness comes ultimately from you. So, Lord, we ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.